Welcome to the Global Australian Podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance, the Global Australian Network. We're the non-profit organisation committed to strengthening Australia by nurturing a globally connected mindset at home and abroad. One of the ways we do this is by shining a spotlight on the impact of extraordinary global Australians. In this podcast series, we meet 25 game changers recognised in the 2023 Global Australian Awards. These remarkable individuals generously share their stories with us, giving us insight into their international career journey, its highlights and challenges, and what motivates them in their work. I hope you enjoy getting to know the inspiring game changers of 2023. In this episode, you will meet Dr. Catherine Lee, who is a 2023 game changer in the Indo-Pacific Impact category. Dr. Catherine Lee is a renowned craniofacial orthodontist based in Singapore. Catherine has an unwavering commitment to providing comprehensive healthcare to underprivileged children, transforming the course of their lives. To start off, in simple terms, how do you describe what you do? Okay, as a craniofacial orthodontist, uh, I specialize in treating patients born with uh, cleft and craniofacial conditions. So I play a significant role as a member of several multidisciplinary teams in Singapore, providing advanced care for these patients. So along my professional responsibility, I'm also deeply involved in humanitarian work dedicated to underprivileged children in several Asian countries. My ultimate objective is really to make a significant and positive impact to their lives. For those not familiar with uh, cleft palate um, issues, what, what can you just describe sort of the frequency of occurrence and, and the types of patients you might see in a Singapore setting versus in, a, in, a, in some of more of your humanitarian work? Right. It, generally, the frequency of birth is about 1 in 500. You know, uh, I think it's pretty similar between developed and non -de uh, underdeveloped countries. Cleft craniofacial patients are patients who are born with uh, cleft liver palate, yeah, uh, type of birth defects, and uh, more advanced will involve, you know, uh, craniofacial deformity that includes um, APERT, Cruzon, uh, Pfeiffer, you know, and uh, hemifacial microsomia, so uh, that is more extensive. Uh, so this is what I was trained for specifically after I completed my orthodontic training. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that journey to, to specialise in this specific area and perhaps even when you, let's say, looking back when you were in high school, did you always know that you wanted to do this kind of work? Um, not really. Um, I think as I was a child, uh, I mean growing up, um, really did not know what I wanted to do, but I think um, as I grew older uh, and I got into dentistry and moved on to orthodontics and subsequently cleft craniofacial training, I started working as a cleft craniofacial orthodontist uh, in Asia. And that's when I got involved with CLEF Surgical Missions in Asia. And this experience um, actually opened my eyes to the pressing need for the comprehensive healthcare resources in the, for comprehensive healthcare resources in the region. So um, as a founder of a CLEF Care Foundation in Indonesia, I too had a role in setting up goals and foundation statements. Uh, this is when I was able to shape and identify my goal 
uh, in making a difference to the lives of the children uh, who are born with this defect. Can you tell us a little bit more about your international journey, maybe where you where you were doing, where you went to high school and then your university degree and then postgraduate degrees and sort of um, it's always fascinating to see the different, how many spots across the globe um, a yeah. career can take you. But what does that look like for you? Um, I was born in Malaysia, but my family immigrated to Australia. We went to Adelaide when I was a teenager. So in fact, I completed my high school in Singapore, but I started university in, uh, in Australia, that was in Adelaide. Um, first degree wasn't uh, dentistry at all, it was actually agricultural science. Uh, yeah, it was halfway through the journey that I realized that my calling was actually in healthcare. So I decided to move on to seek what uh, type of healthcare I would like to be involved with and I found that dentistry was the one that I would prefer to be in uh, due to personal reasons and so by the time I finished my dentistry training in Adelaide um, I went on to work in Singapore uh, in the, um, Sydney uh, and I worked there for a period, about five years before I move on to New York then I was offered a position to be trained as an orthodontist over in New York University. So one thing led to another. Uh, I continued training as a cleft craniofacial orthodontist, which is a very rare uh, position to be offered at that time. And so it took me another few more years to complete my training before I eventually returned to Australia, because Australia was home at that time. Then I was headhunted by the Singapore team to come to Singapore to start my work here with the team in Singapore. The reason is because um, they felt that my training is very important for the surgical team to um, achieve a, a better surgical outcome, reducing the number of surgeries, for example, uh, for the children they care for in Singapore. So that will, that's that that, uh, that brought me to Singapore, yeah. And then your humanitarian work and setting up the uh, the work you've done in Indonesia. What are some of the challenges of juggling your career between the uh, what you do in Singapore and working in developing nations? T talk, a, share a little bit with us of some of those day-to-day -day challenges you face and the highlights. Okay, um, I think the challenges I frequently face in um, third world countries like Indonesia or other countries like China, that we have been to China before, is actually the um, barrier of global outreach. Yeah, so conducting humanitarian effort in many third world countries, uh, we face a lot of external barriers such as restrictive regulations for foreign aid, challenges in, sec in, securing, in securing necessary approvals and permission um, from local authorities. Uh, secondly is also the inadequate healthcare infrastructure and limited access to medical facility in some region. And this can create obstacles in delivering timely and comprehensive care to the affected children. And of course, the thirdly, uh, I think it's quite common uh, that we see is actually the cultural and language differences. So understanding and respecting the cultural norms and language barrier can be crucial 
in providing effective care and communication, but this aspect uh, may also present challenges on its own when working across uh, different regions. So this is what we face a lot of in Indonesia. In terms of highlights, um, I think uh, there are several highlights I could point out. Firstly, it's really the transformative impact. Seeing the children in these countries uh, improving quality of life and even self-esteem after treatment in both long-term and short-term, it's incredibly rewarding. Um, another thing is uh, overcoming the, as we, I said, as a, this, uh, as a obstacle, uh, when these obstacles are overcome, for example, the infrastructure and accessibility uh, barriers to this effort, internally and externally, uh, it gives us an opportunity to make uh, a positive impact in a broader scale, um, changing their lives beyond borders. Yeah, so I think another, I think the best highlight I have to say out of all is for me, personal growth. Uh, it's about continuous learning. Um, so working with complex cases in different environment, conditions and setting has provided me with uh, opportunities for learning and professional growth, keeping me engaged and motivated every day with the role that I play. Yeah. You've been uh, selected by the judging panel as one of the game changers in the area of Indo-Pacific impact and by this the judging panel wanted to identify individuals who have utilized their Australian upbringing or Australian education and made an impact across a number of different uh, countries and we can certainly hear how that's been uh, how you've done that what does it mean to you to be recognized as a game changer in these global Australian awards well being selected as a game changer uh, is a tremendous honor and validation of my work in Cleft and Fisher Arena. It motivates me to continue pushing boundaries, advocating for comprehensive care for the disadvantaged children with craniofacial condition. And I see it as an opportunity to raise awareness uh, about the importance of uh, multidisciplinary collaboration in healthcare and create a more compassionate and inclusive society. So I'm very grateful for the acknowledgement and uh, I'm committed to using this platform to make a lasting impact on the lives of the people I serve. Well, I, I imagine you get asked this a lot from people earlier in their career about um, how advice you would give them to, um, if they wanted to pursue a career like you. What, what sort of advice do you find yourself sharing? Um, three points, I have to say. Um, first, seek mentorship get education and relevant experience in the field. That's the first point. Uh, while they're doing that, they need to be adaptable and resilient in facing challenges. And thirdly is truly stay true to your vision and making a positive impact. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more inspiring stories of global Australian game changers, please go to our website, advance.org.